This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast where we help you learn to invest in 45 minutes or less. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name's Bryce, and as always, I am joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going, bro? I'm good, Bryce. How are you? Very well. Ready to continue with our shallow dive of 10 stocks over the Australian summer. 10 Australian stocks publicly listed on the Australian Stock Exchange, suggested by the Equity Mates community. And what a range we've had so far, Ren. We have. Now, before we talk about the stock that we're talking about today... Uh... Or, or another stock. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. We haven't been doing any admin at the front of our episodes and classic the order in which we recorded them we haven't done any who knows how we're going to release them so we should do some admin admin so house house admin housekeeping equity mates merch ran flying off the shelves we've only got a few t-shirts left (laughs) so if you want to get your hands on perhaps australia's hottest t-shirt brand at the moment head over to equitymates.com forward slash shop and you can pick up an original OG limited edition t-shirt, Equity Mates t-shirt, men's and women's sizes, 25 bucks. Ren put a lot of effort into the design. So, yes. uh, <laughs> wear it at Christmas, wear it to New Year's, wear it every day in 2020 and all your dreams will come true. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you will not choose a losing stock if you if you buy an Equity Mates t-shirt. So make sure you do that. Uh, any other housekeeping from your own, Ren? Uh, Get Started Investing will be out because we're releasing these after Get Started Investing has been released. So if you want to start 20 2020 off right. If you want to escape your extended family this Christmas, plug in and listen to our 12-part series on everything that you need to know to get started investing. Everything from saving to figuring out what brokerage you need to sign up for to the jargon that you need to understand or that you need to ignore to buying your first ETF, buying your first stock. It's all in there. If you're interested in setting yourself up for a big 2020 financially, you're not going to find a better way to start. Absolutely. Get started investing in your podcast feeds now. So head over there and subscribe and tell your mates about it as well, because we obviously want to get as many people on the journey of investing as we can. All right. Well, without any further ado... Yes. Let's move to our stock of today, Dexus. Dexus, D-X-S is its ASX ticker code. Search it in your broker and join along as we have a shallow dive into an Australian real estate investment trust or otherwise known as a REIT. Now, we have done a few episodes where we discuss what REITs are. and We spoke about GPT in our last summer series last year, but it's probably worth a refresher. Yes. So, a trust is Essentially, it's a holding vehicle for property. Its corporate structure is different to a company 
we don't need to worry about too much about that. Essentially, all we need to know is that we can buy and sell it like we do a normal share on the share market. It's got a ticker code. You put your order in and you buy it. And what it does is it buys and manages property. So we get questions in, Ren, from our audience. It's, you know, how can I get access to the Australian property boom or through commercial property or whatever it may be through the stock market? And it's through REITs that you can do that, yes. these real estate investments trusts. Essentially, you're giving your money to someone, a company to go out and then manage that money through property. Yes, yes. So, Dexus is massive. It, it manages a portfolio of $31.8 billion worth of property, very heavily skewed to office space and then also some industrial property. Not a lot of Australian residential property in there. Important to note, though, that all of their property is Australia only. Yes. No investments outside of Australia. So keep that in mind when you think about diversification. But yes, heavy focus on office and industrial properties. In fact, they've got, I think, $15.6 billion worth of office and industrial property. So it's an important distinction. So their portfolio is worth $31.8 billion, Yes. But they own $15.6 billion of it. And then they manage another $16.2 billion. Now, that's a really important distinction because what it means is for the property that they own, they get rental income from tenants. For a lot of the property that they manage, they'll get management fees from the actual owners. So it is a distinction that's worth noting. Absolutely. It's also worth noting that they are the largest office owner and manager in Australia. So if you're looking to get access to the big dogs, you can't get much bigger than Dexas. No. And yeah, where the money flows, follow them and you'll get a bit of an idea. So they have three key revenue drivers, Ren, and that is their property portfolio, which you explained. They have a funds management business. Which invests in property. Which invests in property. And they also have a distinction between their trading side as well, the buying and selling, packaging up. One of the biggest, uh, I guess, important key factors when you're looking at companies like this is the occupancy rate. Now, Dexas occupancy rate, meaning of the property that they own and also lease out, what percentage is actually being leased. Because you're not going to get a return if you're looking at getting rental returns from property. You're actually not going to get a return if you don't have anyone in there renting. So with a focus on industrial and office buildings, they're obviously expecting and hoping for the likes of you know big businesses to come in and rent those spaces. And they have a 98% occupancy rate, which you would assume that that's you probably can't really get much better. 100% would I don't know if that's unusual or not, but mm, yeah. So. Decent. Yeah, yeah, you'd be happy with that. To go with the fact that they've got 98% occupancy rate, they're guiding for F20, so the financial year that we're in, that 95% of the money that they're going to make is already locked in. And that's because people sign multi-year leases with you know fixed rental increases or no rental increases, whatever the, the lease says. But it means that for a company like Dexas, they can say, well, all of this stuff's guaranteed. And then it's just about the leases that are ending or the office and or industrial space that isn't occupied that they need to worry about filling to fill their book for the year, essentially. And so what you can do is if you want to compare rates, one way that you can compare them is you can look at the the portfolio expiry, I guess. I'm sure there is a technical term for it, but you can say- Yeah, the lease expiry. Yeah, you can say in F20, 10% of this rate's 
lease is going to be expiring in F22 this much. And the longer a lot of these lease expiries are out, the less risk there is in earnings fluctuations. Do you know what the average length of their lease is? It looks like as of the end of the last financial year, 2% is available as you touched on before. 7% is up for expiry in uh, this financial year. 12% the year after, 16% the year after that, 13% the year after that, and 13% in F24. So pretty even spread. I'm not sure what the, I haven't compared that to the shape of other REITs, but if you wanted to do an apples for apples comparison on a bunch of, you know, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane office and industrial REITs, that might be a factor that you look at. So one other interesting thing, WeWork has obviously thrown a spanner in the works, pun intended, of a lot of property owners because in some cities, the penetration of flexible working spaces, not just WeWork, but a bunch of others is really high. You know, in Amsterdam and London, it was above 6% of office space. In New York, it was above 3%. Australia's a little bit lower, but still, given the challenges with WeWork, that would have created a risk. Dexas, 0.6% of their portfolio was WeWork. So not a massive number when you think about their overall portfolio, but still 0.6% of $31.8 billion. It's not it's not small. It's an interesting point you make, Ren. So with a market cap of $13.2 billion, this falls in the realm of some of the big investment banks coming in and doing some, some research papers. So I had a look at a research paper done by Goldman Sachs, and they're of the belief that demand for office space, longer term office space, where Texas traditionally play, is actually going to be shrinking over the next few years into 2022, with vacancy rates increasing. And to your point, it's going to be interesting to see how Dexas changed their, I guess, proposition, their, their mix of products to accommodate for more demand for shorter term leases. And especially as supply is apparently going to be rising across both Sydney and Melbourne in terms of office space, uh, it's in terms of an outlook point of view, something to consider for, for Dexas. So yeah, interesting point regarding WeWork. Yeah. So if we move to their financials, we can see that some of the numbers are a little bit concerning. Their revenue has dropped 5% to $795 million and their net profit after tax has dropped 26% to $1.28 billion. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) You're telling me that they have revenue of, what was it, $720 million? $795 million, yeah. And you're telling me that they have a profit of $1.2 billion. Yes. Go riddle me that. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get it. I'm assuming it's, to, I'm assuming it's to do with how they incorporate valuation of their properties into this. No, they have negative costs. So they earn $795 million and then their employees pay them another $500 million for the pleasure of working at what their company. What a business model. And then they have $1.28 million billion in profit. That makes sense. Yeah. So they don't pay their employees, their employees pays them. Exactly. And <laughs> they have a lot of employees. No, nah, you're right. For you're everyone right. who takes rent too seriously, that is not <laughs> true. <laughs> so yes, you're you're right. It is because of the property values. Now, it was down 26% from the previous year and that's because property had a pretty rough run for a little bit of 2019, although it seems we're right back to where we started as of December 2019. For residential. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that, that's why the profit number can be higher than the revenue number. 
Now, there's an important concept in REITs that we should talk about, which is metric funds from operation. And it's something that is unique to REITs because of the way the rules around different accounting treatment works. It means that essentially they've invented this metric. REITs have invented this metric to make it easier for investors to understand what cash is actually coming and going from the business. Yeah. So funds from operation takes the net profit after tax number. So your final profitability number, it adds back in depreciation and amortization, and then it subtracts gains from property. And so we'll step through why that's the case. From an accounting perspective, if you own an asset, you're meant to depreciate that asset. You're over whatever period of time, generally sort of 10 years, you whittle the value of that asset down to zero on your books. And that's because assets get old and they retire. And so rather than uh, industrial factory having to write the value down in one year, they write it down over a number of years. But for Dexas and for real estate investment trusts, their assets generally appreciate in value, their property, they get more valuable rather than less valuable. But from an accounting perspective, they still are meant to write it down and depreciate it. So the first step of this is adding back in that depreciation to the profitability number because whilst you're forced to depreciate the asset, in actuality, it's not actually depreciating in value. The second part of it is around subtracting the gains from the sale of property and that's because selling the property is a one-off event. So whilst it counts to your revenue line because it is money that's coming into your business, it's not going to be reoccurring and so what it does is it muddies the waters for investors who are trying to assess the underlying business. So you take the profitability number, you get rid of the depreciation, you add that, that back into the profitability number but then you subtract the sales of the property and what you get is a funds from operation number. And if we look at how Dexas went in that, in its funds from operation, it actually rose 4.3% from 2018 to 2019. Yeah, and they often display funds from operation. You might see it as A double F-O. Or just double F-O. Or double F-O on a per security basis, so per share. And in this case, we're talking in the cents. So yeah, to Ren's point, 47.7 cents up to 50.3 cents. For AFFO adjusted. Yeah, for AFFO adjusted. So yeah, an interesting and unique way of comparing. It's just like in retail where you look at comp sales, you want to take out all the abnormalities that have gone on through the year and create a baseline. Otherwise, it's just too difficult to assume or understand growth rates on a year-by-year basis. So pretty important measure to understand when you're looking at rates. Yeah, 100%. And I guess because that's the actual like sustainable cash flow from the business, that's the thing you should use when you're valuing the business as well, just because it takes a lot of the noise out of some of the other numbers. So in saying that, should we have a look at valuation? We should have a look at valuation, Ren. Let's jump into it. So let's start with our classic PE. Yes. Price to earnings. So I've got price to earnings for Dexas coming in at 9.93. And how does that compare to its industry peers? Industry peers, it actually comes in relatively cheap. So from my end, I have the industry at 17. So yeah, it comes in cheaper than industry now, the important thing to keep in mind is that because we're talking about earnings and you know we explained the whole depreciation thing and all that, there might be some noise in those numbers. But yeah. if you're comparing them to other rates, then if it's apples to apples, then it's a good way to start. Yeah. You can also look at 
priced a book and you can compare that to its peers because the book value of the company is really going to be driven by the assets that it holds, which in this case is the property. And so you would expect that the price to book wouldn't be too far outside of one to one. So you would say price to book a one. So that's another one you can look at. And if you did want to value the company based on its assets, so you basically said that I want to buy a REIT where the property that it owns is worth more than what I'm paying for it. Dexus would fit the bill. I've got its current market cap at $13.28 billion. And as we said before, it owns $15.6 billion worth of property. So by that logic, if Dexus went to shit and they decided they were going to shut down their operations, sell all their property, and then return the money to owners of the rate, they would get $15.6 billion worth of money for the property that it has just sold. And the market cap it's trading at is less than that. So you would make money. So that's another way you can value it. Then you can value it based on its cash flow, which is where we get to that funds from operation metric. Let's do it. So we said that funds from operation were 0.663 of a dollar or 66.3 cents. So if we if we start with discount cash flow and we plug that number in and then we say that it grew at about four and a bit percent last year. So we say let's say for the next 10 years, it grows at 5% and then it just grows in inflation after that. And with a discount rate of 10%, we get $8.13. So if you're trying to value it on its cash flow, it's potentially a little bit expensive. That uh, correlates with, as I said, some big investment banks did some work on this. Goldman Sachs have a, a target price, a bit different to current valuation, but a target price of $10.83. And Morningstar have this coming in at fair value of $11.07. So it's currently trading at $12.15. So not too overpriced. I would say it falls within the fair value range, to be honest. Yeah, nice one. I guess the question that you've been ending all of these with, does this fall within your circle of competence? From an understanding of how the business works, operates, revenue, that sort of stuff, you know, real estate investment. Trusts are pretty straightforward. So, yeah. And I understand occupancy rates and that sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah, it's not a complicated business really to get my head around. No, I I, I tend to agree with you. I think we can understand the cost drivers of this business. We can understand it's really just a valuation play as with anything in property. Fun fact to close with, Ren. Well, firstly, interestingly, if we're talking about ESG, Dexas has set a goal of net zero emissions across its managed portfolio by 2030. Yep. Good play. What percentage of the Melbourne CBD do you think they own or lease out? Just on that first point, so I'm pretty sure JPT have done the same thing as well. Property is, in some ways, a cleaner business to to do some of these things. Not too Um, difficult. But it's still bloody, yeah, it's good effort. What percentage of the CBD does it own? Melbourne. Ah, Oh, I mean, the fact that you're asking it means that it's going to be a big number. So I'll say 15%. 16. Not that. There you go. There you go. I've, yeah, pretty good, pretty big exposure. Yeah, not bad, not bad. 80 Collins Street, you know 80 Collins Street? I don't know it off the top of my head. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm not going to rattle off all their addresses. <laughs> they own the MLC Centre in Sydney. 
Okay. Couldn't tell you what it is. Oh, God. I guess <laughs> fresh back to town. Yeah, yeah, Can't yeah, expect yeah. too much. <laughs> I know the Barangaroo Towers. Do they own those? No, they do not. Okay. So. <laughs> we'll find out who owns them. I've got a fun slash slightly depressing fact for you. Okay. Have a guess of how much of office work areas are now open plan rather than walled or partitioned. I'm going to say 40%. 78%. Wow. So- Better get used to working in open plan offices. I because, do. Well, so do I. Yeah. Because Why was, is that depressing? Oh, I'm not a big fan of open plan sometimes. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. I really? Couldn't, I couldn't imagine working in my own office. Yeah. I've actually never done it. I've never done it. Yeah. I don't know. It's just- Quite isolating. I mean, you're, you're 100% hot desks. Yeah, 100, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Work from home, you know, you yeah. name it. Barely work at all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> Yeah, interesting. 78% and rising, I only imagine. I imagine so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, Ren. We'll, we'll leave it there. Always good to chat stocks and uh, looking forward to our shallow dive exploration continuing next week. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to Equity Mates Investing Podcast, a production of Equity Mates Media. Please remember that everything you hear in Equity Mates Investing Podcast is general advice only. The content has been prepared without knowing your personal objectives, specific financial circumstances, or goals. The host of Equity Mates Investing Podcast may maintain positions in the companies discussed. Before considering any investment, please read the product disclosure statement and consider speaking to a licensed financial professional. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.